Hi everyone, this is JJ Hornblast and welcome to the roadmap from Auto Finance News. Since 1996, the leading news source for the automotive lending and leasing industry. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the market for April 12, 2021. Uh, first, we thank our uh, advertisers uh, for their support uh, in enabling us to bring you this podcast. So they are Dealer Track. Alpha, DeFi Solutions, Agora Data, DCM Services, Market Scan, Market Scan and Strook and Strook and Levan. So thank you to them very much. And so pleased to uh, see Joey Pizzolatto and Amanda Harris uh, here with me uh, for this podcast. First to some uh, general uh, finance news this week. Earnings uh, start, uh, earnings for the first quarter of 2021 start in earnest uh, this week. Uh, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and others will be reporting. Uh, I expect us to be covering those uh, earnings this week. That's a, 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 a small hint, Joey and Amanda. Uh, also this week is the Coinbase IPO. Uh, Coinbase, the platform for purchasing cryptocurrency investments. Uh, so that's coming this week. Uh, there was a Wall Street Journal survey of economists that came out this morning, and that uh, and those economists uh, are expecting uh, GDP growth this year of 6.4%, which is a monster number. And finally, this morning, Microsoft announced that it would be acquiring Nuance Communications for $19.7 billion. Nuance also... Uh, provide some of its voice recognition technology and solutions to the financial services industry. So we care about that as well. In the auto finance space, space uh, uh, let's start with uh, the interesting uh, revelation that 0% financing deals have accelerated and accelerated significantly in April. Uh, they are now amounting to close to 15% of all new car financing. Am I saying that right, Amanda? Yeah, it's um, the share of financing with 0% APR is the... And that 15%. And that's up from around 10% in both March and February. So a significant increase if you by percentage, about 50%. So what is driving uh, this increase, Amanda? And uh, what does it kind of say about the auto finance market in general? Sure. Um, well, so part of it, just to give some, some context and, um, and everything to this, we, we, we do know that 0% typically does go up in the beginning of months anyway. So in fact, this is the beginning of April. That's part of the driver. Um, you know, we see, you know, deals and things like that as, you know, the new season comes on too. So this is springtime. Um, so all that is kind of driving that in part. Too. Um, and we also know that, that things really fell down after kind of peaking around the pandemic. There was a lot of, you know, 0% and other incentives out there um, just to try to drive sales during the pandemic when things were a little bit more challenging. 
those kind of came down when things evened out a little bit. Um, and then we know the inventory is still really low. So incentives in general are still pretty behind where they were pre-pandemic because they're just don't, they're not really needed right now. There's just not enough cars to really drive that. Um, so the fact this is climbing up a little bit, it's probably mainly, you know, with spring and these new deals coming out um, and a little bit of probably, you know, recovery, um, you know, in, in inventory and things like that are kind of driving that. I guess the question is why increase at all? Uh, if there is the dearth of new vehicles available for sale, why the increase at all? And, and is there a, do we have a sense for where this is coming? Meaning through, you know, from which marquees, uh, from which uh, nameplates are, are offering the 0% the, the financing? I don't have a, the specific, you know, brands. This is more like in general in the market um, overall. But basically, like I said, I think it's mainly coming from the fact that this is, you know, start of where we typically see, you know, the spring bounce and we, we start to see new in incentives come up at the beginning of the month. Um, so a little bit of a seasonality and then a little bit too, um, probably just trying to drive sales coming out of, you know, we're in about a year into the pandemic now. So things are kind of normalizing a little bit more. So I think it's just kind of a mix of seasonality and normalizing and um, you know, just really trying to offer these incentives a little bit more. Um, but overall, incentives are still down as far as like a volume. Uh, so I don't know that this would be like a cue that we're going to start seeing just a ton of incentives in the market. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case for a little while. Joey, what do you think that this uh, says about the upcoming peak auto finance or auto season, which also means the which also is the peak auto finance season. Well, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it kind of points to, to good news a little bit, just in, in, insofar as, you know, sort of seeing the industry inch back to, to whatever normal was before the pandemic. Um, like Amanda said, you know, this is a very seasonal thing that we see happen. And, and we do know that, you know, some segments are not um, experiencing the same kind of like inventory constriction as say, you know, pickups and uh, crossover SUVs, um, you know, this, the small, smaller vehicles, um, there's still quite a bit um, of inventory there. So I think that, you know, there, there is, there is reason to, to offer these incentives uh, to help kind of push uh, some of that inventory out. Um. I guess the, 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 the big question is, is where this 0% will be uh, concentrated. Um, and if you, it, it would seem that it's the competition, any, any segment that's in competition, particular competition with the used car segment is probably kind of ripe for 0% mm -hmm. programs. Um, I, I would imagine that, uh, um, that's where it would come. Does that kind of, do you, do you, would that jive with how you're thinking about it? Yeah, I think Joey's right in the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's probably more concentrated on the luxury cars and the SUVs and the, you know, the big pickup trucks. We've known from, you know, following the used vehicle prices too, that those have been the really popular segments where, you know, people are, are looking for those type of cars right now. Um, they're wanting the bigger, more luxury cars. And things like that is kind of driving the prices up. Uh, so 
that makes sense that where we're seeing those price increases happen the most, there would also be some incentives to kind of drive those sales uh, given those really high prices right now. Uh, so I definitely think that's probably where a lot of this is coming from. April 1, uh, a notable day for consumer credit, maybe. So April 1, uh, the Supreme Court ruled on a Telephone Consumer Protection Act case that has very significant, uh, very uh, real significance for uh, auto finance. This may be the most consequential Supreme Court decision as it relates to this industry in the last 20 years, maybe? Tell, tell our listeners what the, um, what the decision was and why or why not you agree with that statement related to its significance. All right, well, I'll, I'll jump in and take a stab at that one. So, so basically what the Supreme Court did is it finally um, defined in kind of concrete terms what an automatic telephone dialing system is. And that's always kind of been, a, been at the crux of, you know, TCPA and either complaints against uh, lenders, you know, violating the, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act or, you know, arguments against, you know, them being in violation, right? You know, if, 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 they, if the lender or the caller is not using an automatic telephone dialing system, then they can't be, um, they can't be in violation of the TCPA and, you know, on and on and on for ad infinitum. Um, so, so basically the courts have been split on the definition of an automatic telephone dialing system, or ATDS. Um, the Ninth Circuit, for example, has like broadly interpreted the definition um, that it is enough for a phone to be able to dial stored numbers automatically to qualify as an ATDS, which in layman's terms, like that's your, your iPhone, right? Like you can't see it because of my background, but um, you know, any phone call made from your iPhone could technically be in violation of the TCPA. So, so a lot of ambiguity around it. Um, but basically, the Supreme Court said, they finally defined it. They said, to, and I'll, I'm quoting from the, um, from the opinion now, uh, quote, uh, to qualify as an automatic telephone dialing system under the TCPA, a, a device must have the capacity either to store a telephone number using a random or sequential number generator or to produce a telephone number using a random or sequential number generator. Um, so with that being said, now auto lenders can really kind of, you know, at least in our industry or any industry really can kind of go back and, you know, take, audit their system, right? Like do, does this fall under the TCPA? Um, and if so, how, how do they need to, you know, amend their processes or their, their strategies around the way they're contacting, uh, borrowers? So in practical terms, the Supreme Court decided that a cell phone is an ATDS, it is not. It is, is not. not an ATDS, so therefore it would not fall under the TCPA. Correct. And so that, that would imply that it can be used for 
collections or cannot? It can. It can. It can. But there, there are there are a slew of other things still under the TCPA. This is just one little nugget of you know, um, I guess contention. One point of contention that that has been defined, right? Um, you know, we talked to some of our uh, attorney sources, and you know, one thing they did point out was, um, you know, the Supreme Court was very clear that they are not um, talking about uh, calls that are made using, um, you know, a robotic voice or not like a recorded voice or not recorded, but an automated voice, like a chatbot or whatever. Um, so, you know, if 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 callers are still using that, um, they'll, they'll, they still need to make sure that they are you know, compliant under the TCPA. So, so there are, this is not like a get out of jail free card by any means. It is really just a little bit of clarity um, to, to a rule that has been interpreted in different ways by the, you know, circuit courts. So do you think that uh, one of the implications for this on a practical basis is, is that auto lenders will be able to more effectively utilize uh, remote, call center representatives who may place phone calls from home from, you know, from their cell phones for collections purposes? I mean, that's a great question. And I honestly hadn't really even thought about it in, in that, in that kind of like lens, to be frank. Um, I mean, I don't see why not. Right. Um, and I think that that's been a big, that's been a problem, you know, that's, that's been a, a, a hindrance because to be able to distribute a call center, especially during the pandemic, um, to people living from home or to not necessarily require a hard line for those call center representatives, you know, could create, you know, allow for more flexibility and there, and, and, presumably the reciprocal improved performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it makes sense for sure. I'm so glad I came today. <laughs> uh, let's start. The final thing we wanted to go over was a, a really interesting story that was written about remote transactions and sort of the regulatory intricacies of, of digital transactions that have surfaced uh, not, not only because of the pandemic, but, but certainly have been highlighted as a result of the pandemic as there's been more demand or, or desire for more digital transactions. Um, it, it seems that most of the regulatory compliance issues around digital transactions centers on the storage of those digital files or digital um, signatures? Uh, is that a fair, not fair? What are some of the key uh, takeaways from that, from this kind of, you know, the digital, the, the, the current thinking on regulatory compliance as it relates to digital transactions? Sure, I'll jump in again on that one. Um, compliance is my thing, apparently. Uh, no, um, so, so basically, um, you know, what, what, what we've learned is that, yes, the, the storage, um, that there's, there's a bit of ambiguity there. That's the word of the day today, if you haven't noticed yet, ambiguity. Um, there's there, it, it's, there's no, no real clear 
let me back up. For example, if, you know, I wanted to buy a car, right, and I wanted to, say, go to New Jersey to buy it, I, you know, I might be able to do some of that over, over the internet, but, you know, if I drive to that dealership, I'm in New Jersey, so the laws of New Jersey apply to that transaction, right? It's pretty clear. Um, but if I were to do that um, from my living room, which is in New York, and I sign all the contracts um, and, you know, complete the entire process, um, again, from my living room, then it's, it's not quite as clear, you know, what, what laws as, as far as um, compliance and regulatory compliance, like, are, are you know, is it, is it New York because that's where I am? Is it New Jersey? Um, and and the, the upshot of, of this is, you know, regulators still haven't really figured it out yet. Right, they're they're usually a little bit slower to the game, um, so so this is something that you know lenders need to be um, aware of, or at least start thinking about. You know how how they are handling these documents. Um, you know, is it is it New York? Is it New Jersey or whatever state? Um, you know, they're they're conducting business in. How how do you how do you go about um, understanding? You know what states you need to be compliant what state's laws do you need to be compliant to is it multiple do you have a feeling for the degree to which this jurisdiction ambiguity is is sort of in play what i mean by that is is in how many cases do we think that auto loans as an example uh, maybe have jurisdictional ambiguity, um, you know, within their it closed closed auto loans have jurisdictional ambiguity in their either documentation or um, uh, you know general underwriting. No, short answer. No, no idea. Um, and I mean. Yeah, it's it's really hard to 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 you know put put a a figure to that. Um, mm -hmm. Just again because uh, how do you know what point at what point you know I could start my my you know loan document in New Jersey and I could finish it in you know Connecticut if I go someplace for the weekend. Um, it's just I I can't even think of a situation in which we could track that. Right. It would, it would really be, I would think, kind of like on a case by case customer complaint basis. Right. You know, enough consumers start complaining, you know, the state regulators kind of, you know, get wise to it. And then they'll they'll start, you know, doing some investigations around, you know, the underwriting practices and things like that. But, you know, one thing that that our our lawyer friends um, pointed to was, you know, this. The, the, it it usually is the case where they you know they they're late to the party they'll they'll be like oh we're gonna look into this now and then they'll they'll start coming out with you know guidance or you know enforcement action hopefully not but you know certain certain actions will will happen in the rear rather than kind of proactively well it's not it's not go ahead Amanda sorry I was just gonna say this seems like it's way more complicated than it should be, right? Like if you're buying a car in New Jersey, does it really matter where you're filling out the paperwork? The car is still coming from New Jersey, right? Like you would think the law would apply 
in the state where you actually bought the car because you would normally drive to the dealership and fill it out and there would be no question. And so it's, it's crazy that this is bringing all this confusion and ambiguity in because you're filling out a document on your computer, which happens to be in a different state. But at the end of the day, those documents are still coming out of a dealership in New Jersey. So anyway, that's just my outside opinion looking in at this. I, I mean, the issue is, is that the, the, so much of the corpus of the law is the commercial law, I should say, is uh, location specific. So when the location becomes unspecific, uh, you know, that that really, you know, the, I, this, the, look, we're, we're in auto, you know, we're, we're, we, we focus on auto finance and we're in the auto finance sector, but this has to be relevant in other sectors as well, you know, especially where people have been kind of moving about um, and conducting transactions, more often conducting transactions, um, at home uh, during the pandemic, uh, I, I guess the it's not just the the regulators that are are a a risk factor, but also class action attorneys. Um, is there a sense that this might be ripe for class action, or is it is the ambiguity so pervasive that even for them they wouldn't necessarily know how to Kind of pursue a claim. Yeah, I I think the latter most likely. Still, um, you know what, what, what are what would you, what what's the suit even about, right? You know, one thing that they we we do know, um, you know, TCPA is is very right for civil um, action. So maybe maybe they just civil suits focus on that, and you know, not so much uh, this kind of remote. Um, ambiguity. There's that word again. Okay. Well, we shall see. Um, and in the meantime, we have coverage planned for this week. Obviously, earnings this week, so that's going to be a big focus. Uh, anything else that our uh, our readers should be uh, looking out for? Yeah, we have um, we have some some performance numbers from Hyundai, uh, so we'll be diving into into that a little bit as well Great. as earnings. Good. Um, and in the meantime, uh, you should certainly follow us, follow Auto Finance News on Twitter and on LinkedIn, and uh, and and obviously uh, visit us at autofinancenews.net, where we'll have uh, ongoing industry coverage, and you could also get all sorts of valuable industry data. Uh, Amanda and Joey, thank you all. Thank you both very much, and uh, thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you next time.